Welcome to the Border Collie Gig Podcast. I'm your host, Martina, obsessed like you about Border Collies and dog training. Follow me to know more about this amazing breed and to learn from many inspiring dog professionals on how to make your training journey a success. Hello, Border Collie Geeks, and welcome to a new episode, the first episode of 2024. <laughs> I finally sat down to record. I've been wanting to do it for a few days and it just didn't happen. There's so much going on, so much to get used to um, in our new life that, yeah, sometimes it just takes over plans. Um, so today's episode is actually going to be the first one that is going to be more about my life and what's going on at the moment and the big change that has come to our life. So if you want to skip this episode because you only want to hear about training, although I'm going to be talking about training, I'm going to be talking about how the dogs have adapted to a new life and you know a few a few details and insight. So it's still going to be about dogs. It's not going to be about me. I don't like to talk about me too much. So I'm going to keep it as you know general about farming and um dogs as as much as possible but if some of you have been following me you might have found that there was an episode in December or November that was called Farm Chronicles that is now has disappeared and the reason for that is I took it off because I thought that you know I wanted the first one to be once we finally moved in so I can be telling you more about the reality of actually being on the farm. And so this is actually the first one that you will find. And every now and then I will be making an episode that I call Farm Chronicles, that it's going to be more about what's going on in our life and things that I'm learning about the farm specifically, or living on a farm and training my dogs to work sheep for me on a daily basis. So um, we moved in. We are officially new tenants tenants of um, a farm in Lancashire in the UK. And it feels like it's been, it's been a long time coming. You know, it's if, if you've listened to the previous episode, you probably know already, but I'm going to tell this again. So we found out that we might have been, you know, not, not we might. We found out that the farm was coming available in October or September 2023. Uh, no, 2022. And we didn't think that was going to be the case. We thought that some other family would have taken over the farm. So we said, well, let's let's have a chat and see what happens. But we didn't have a lot of hopes um, but after the first chat, we found out that actually, you know, there wasn't a plan for the farm to keep in the family. Um, so we expressed our interest to, um, yeah, to the possibility of of taking over the farm. And I have to say that at the beginning, our families were a bit like, are you sure you've never run a farm before? What, you know, it, it's a big commitment um, money-wise, a life-changing commitment, moving into a farm doesn't mean taking on a nice house with a big garden. It, it, you know, it means taking on a big patch of land that needs maintenance and needs taking care of. 
Um, so it's not just, and I think a lot of the time, even my family, um, not my very close family, my parents know exactly what this is, but, you know, maybe cousins or other other family that don't live daily with me, what's going on at the farm, because I don't talk to them as often, they still think that, I don't know, we just have a house in the countryside with a bit of land, <laughs> but it's not. So we live on 133 acres, which I think is around... 60 or 50 hectares oh I can't remember so you know what I'm just going to check for you so if you if you work in hectares um you know exactly I keep forgetting I should probably remember but I keep forgetting is 53 50 54 hectares um and we are in a um area of outstanding natural beauty or I think they call them natural landscape now um which means that we are in a protected kind of landscape that needs to be kept in a certain way because it's very important for tourism. Um, so we have footpaths running through our farm and it's our duty to maintain the farm in a state that is accessible to people and tourists. And so we have to keep it safe and we can't block, of course, footpaths because they are um, public right of way. And people that walk these paths love the countryside. They love, the majority is, it's, you know, people that really love, because they, they love the countryside, they love their, their country, they love their county, they love, they love the area. Or there might be tourists that actually travel to come here and walk in these beautiful places. So we have to maintain the land. And in order to maintain the land, we have to farm it. Um, because, of course, animals help keeping the land, you know, clean keeping the grass low, keeping the weeds low, although we have to do some maintenance for that as well. And of course, agriculture has changed a lot recently. We might have talked about it in the sheep podcast with uh, Natalie. Agriculture is changing and there are a lot of schemes now that the government pays you to, to maintain the land in a way that is good for nature and not just for well, livestock. So there's going to be jobs to do, like planting more edgerows, maybe planting trees, maybe, you know, making sure that the soil is rich, making sure there is biodiversity. So there are areas of the farm that are for wildlife. And we are really very excited to excited to do that because we love I love the idea of farming and I love the idea of breeding sheep and using my dogs in my sheep farm, but we also love nature. So the way we want to farm is that it is a way that maintains the land as we have to maintain the land with livestock, but at the same time, we favor also biodiversity in all aspects, not just because, you know, some animals are cute, but some animals are needed and plants and flowers and type of grasses and, and all sorts. It's a huge learning curve for us. We, you know, we are, I'm a dog trainer. My partner knows a bit more because she's an ecologist. But, you know, farming is going to be completely different. So it's, it's we are learning. And, you know, if we're learning something and you like it, I will share it with you when the time comes. Um, so at the moment we have on the land, we have um, 96 sheep, which includes my training sheep. Um, there are six 
you might have seen on social media, six um, Hebrides weather, which means that they are castrated males that are not going to be bred from, of course, because they're castrated. And they're my training sheep. Um, so if I don't have any other sheep to use for training, and they are, you know, they're very good for young dogs and, and, and everything. So in the future, I'll use them. And I plan to make my training herd a bit bigger, training flock a bit bigger. Um, I want to buy a few more, maybe some to breed. They are very cute little black sheep. Uh, I love a black sheep. Um, and they're horned, and I love a horned sheep. <laughs> and our commercial flock is not horned and is not black. It's actually white. Um, our commercial flock is uh, of uh, composed at the moment uh, by Easy Cares, which is a composite breed that was uh, developed in the 60s um, with the idea of having a very resilient, easy to care sheep that is hardy, doesn't have foot problem, doesn't have lambing problem, good mothers, resistant to a lot of things. Um, so more resistant to other breeds anyway, that can survive um, on grass without having a lot of input from us in terms of food, of course, if you have enough land to have enough grass for them, um, which is something that we will have to explore in the few in the, in the years coming, how many can we keep in order to feed them only or pretty much mainly on grass. And also they are self-shedding. So they don't need shearing. They will lose their, shed, their, their fleece in March, April before lambing or during lambing um, or while they're lambing, uh, which means that by summer when heat and flies come, they will have no wool attached on them. It was going to be very, very short, very soft fleece. Um, which hopefully will reduce the need of using chemicals to keep flies and parasites away. And of course, you know, I will report this back to you when the time comes. I'm very excited about the process. I'm sure I will report it. Um, I will show it also on various social media. Um, and, you know, we decided to go for a sheep that is not the one that's been on the farm before or that is you know, anywhere around the area, not because it's not suited to the area, but just because it's still quite rare type of sheep to go for. And we will learn whether it was a good choice or not with time. Um, so we moved in with our six dogs and two cats. And um, we, it's, you know, how do we get how how did we prepare and this is where you know dogs come into the into the thing how did we prepare our dogs to move um of course it's a, it's it's a move into a better um situation because we go from a house with a small garden um where to go for a walk you need to put the lead on and you have to go and you know be careful about other dogs cars bikes and everything that happens when you leave into a place where there's other people and other and be careful dogs don't bark be careful that the dogs don't run out of the garden to chase someone or to just annoy someone um and we we moved into a way easier situation first we have a big house with a lot of options where to have the dogs during the day so the dogs are not going around the whole house during the day like they were before. They are in the kitchen, which is big enough. They have a lot of beds. It's quite warm as well. It's the warmest place in the house while I'm freezing in my office at the moment. Um, and 
they have also there is like a sort of a space where we can put them behind the baby gate if needed to get them out of the way and we have a big porch and everything so we move to an easier situation and the dogs for the dogs and for us the first few weeks is like going on holiday we've been on holiday before in houses with big gardens and you know different setup that worked very well and the first few weeks it felt like we were on holiday um and then eventually you start you know doing jobs and you know get into the routine and something breaks you have to learn how to fix it and it's thinking about what we're going to have here so we are cleaning clearing out a um a stable to put a chicken coop um so we cleared out we're thinking about how to build a chicken coop what kind of chicken to get and then we went and bought some equipment we bought a quad we bought a trailer for the quad um and you know gradually you start spending money and learning skills that you're going to need you know the we had a big freeze and the water froze and so not not water didn't froze actually the an old very old tap in one of the buildings um just broke so we had a water we had we had water flowing throughout the night which actually probably helped the non-freezing situation but he emptying completely the tank and i've never lived in a house with a tank you know i've always had just pipes coming from the main thing so it's a completely different way of living so we you know we have to adapt the dogs funny enough what i've noticed in the dogs they moved in and they were all very happy and very excited every day we go for a walk every day we go and work sheep every day you know they gradually they learn to be out and about with us without that need to run off for a walk because at the beginning was going out of the garden and they have this kind of excitement yeah we're going for a walk we're going to work sheep and now they're starting to calm down we go in the yard they they stay around they don't run off straight away out of the yard to go for a walk or go finding sheep um i'm very very amazed about both um well all of my dogs to be honest um all the collies anyway including moss although he's always kept under control, but Tay and Jock have learned the fact that there are sheep in the shed because we still have sheep in from the previous tenants, which is a family member, of course. And they've just learned that, yeah, the sheep are there, but, you know, if we are in the shed, we're doing something else. Sometimes we do some training. Sometimes we do, you know, I'm teaching them to um, ride a quad and we just tidy up. Sometimes we're there to clean because there's a lot of cleaning to do. And they just hang around. They look at the sheep sometimes. I call them away and I ignore them. Jock is having a lot of fun um, hunting rats, although he doesn't really hunt them. He finds them, he tells me they're there, and then he doesn't do anything because he couldn't even kill a fly. So um, it's funny to see him getting a new job, you know, making himself, like, responsible for a new job. And he loves it and um so the first few weeks of course they were really excited about going out and they were running straight for a gate when they knew that that was the way out and that eventually calmed down they're now you know they will still run out of the gate that goes into the yard or if we go to the gates that from the garden goes into the paddock which at the moment has our tops in although it's going to become part of it's going to become dog paddock um when we build a fence to split it in two um but it's not as intense as it was so they got used to it and apart from moss which i don't trust completely off lead and one of the tallest which we don't trust completely off lead um 
then the others are pretty much off lead everywhere. Even if there's sheep around, they've learned to, yeah, sheep are there, but we don't always work them. Sometimes we ignore them and go past, which is really nice. And one thing I've noticed is the first two to three weeks, they were sleeping a lot, like Moss especially, because he was following me everywhere. He wouldn't leave me a second. He would not very well settle down during the day. He started to, you know, he would just flop in the night and he would just leap all night through. I wouldn't hear from him. Um, and he, he was very tired. And, but all of them, like in the evening, they will all collapse the first few weeks. And I think that's a mix between the, the stress of the change and the fact that probably they were more active the first few weeks because they couldn't really find their place to settle. They settled in very well, but I think, and this is an important thing to remember, you know, it, they changed the routine and that does have an effect on your nervous system. It had, it had it on us as well. Although it's an easier routine because we don't have to put leads on, we can walk straight from the, the, the house to our own land where we know we're not going to meet anyone it's still a change for the nervous system. So changing your habits, oh, I was exhausted. I couldn't, and you know, if you've changed house before, you know that, you don't know where your things are. So you have to think harder where the things are because you don't have that natural, if I need a spoon, I reach out to grab it. You have to think, where is the spoon now? And now it's it's natural. It's becoming more of an automatic response, but it wasn't at the beginning. And I think that is the same for dogs. Routine has changed. There's no, your brain doesn't have new habits yet. It, it's building them and it's really tiring. So the dogs were sleeping so much the first few weeks. And although maybe now they do a bit more than the, the first few weeks, we were very, very careful. You know, I was still using leads to get them out because I didn't know if someone was coming or because they had this kind of thing of running out of the yard straight away. So now they're actually more free to do things. They come with us in the yard. They follow us around with new jobs. They, they do more, but still they leave less. And I think it's because now the initial stress, the initial change has worn out. They are now used to their new life and their nervous system is better and their brain doesn't need to recover as much. So yes, in the evening, they still sleep, but you know, we might give them toys to get them a bit if they're not tired. If they've done a lot that day, they'll just crash. Um, but sometimes, like most the first two weeks, he was so tired, he would just collapse anywhere. While now, sometimes he's still like wanting to play, tugging the 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 the, the rug on the car on the on the sofa, um, having a bit of a you know energy leftover energy in the evening. So, yeah, and and that's a big change. <laughs> the first couple of weeks Moss will just crash in his bed in our bedroom because he sleep with us and I would not see him until seven o'clock in the morning while well, now he would wake up in the morning in the night come up the bed um you know and do the do, do the usual bed habits he used to have back in in Cheshire um yes and <laughs> um I quite liked it when he didn't wake up and come on the bed at night. But now we're back to habits of waking up after a few hours of sleeping in his own bed and coming up and sleeping with me. But it's okay. I, I you know, that that's okay for me. I, I'm used to it. It's been like that forever. And um, I'm sure that when it's going to be a bit warmer, he will probably 
rather stay off the bed. Um, so yeah, so what what is different, of course, is that I'm training more. I'm doing more with my dogs, which I, I'm loving it. I'm training them on sheep, not every day. Um, I thought I was going to do it every day, but some days I don't have the time because I need, like this morning, I had a bit of time before starting to do some work and I walked all three of my boys while my partner went to check the sheep with some of the girls. I walked the three boys. Um, we had a good walk and now I'm working and I'm there's there's a, there's a lot. We are going through the storm. So while I'm recording this, we have storm. Isa, he's I don't remember how it's called. Um, we have a storm, so there's a lot of wind going on. And to be honest, I don't want to. Well, the sheep are probably trying to screen from the wind, so I'm a bit soft when I see that it's too cold and too wet. I know I shouldn't, and I feel like I'm over caring but I don't want to go with the dogs and actually force this poor sheep to run around in the wind and leave their safety warm spot that they found in the field um so I I avoid working the sheep if the weather is really bad if it's too wet, wet and the ground is soaked with water I avoid it because it's not just the sheep you risk injuries on the dogs um and I don't really want that when it's too windy, I think it's more difficult for the dog to hear you. I mean, if my dogs had to go out and retrieve sheep on the fell on a day like this, I would have to probably train them to this. But we don't have the fell. And if we have a bad day, we don't have to do work that day. We can wait when the until the wind is a bit better. Of course, they can work in wind, they can work in rain, but I just prefer to you know, because it's training and it's not, it's not that training that I need to sell a dog in two weeks, so I need you to be ready. I can, you know, yesterday I trained Tay. Um, no, yesterday, no, yesterday was horrible. The day before I trained Tay, Friday, Friday or Saturday, I, Saturday I trained Tay, Friday I trained Jock. Saturday I trained Tay. Um, then Sunday I didn't do anything. Today's Monday and I'll see if I have time to go out 10 minutes with Tay and do a bit of training again or Jock. If not, I'll do it tomorrow that I have more time, although it's going to be still windy and rainy. But I really don't like to train just for the sake of training when the weather is horrible, both for the dogs and the sheep. I don't want anyone to get injured. And yes, I'm a bit soft on the sheep. Um, so. Yeah, but I'm training more, of course, you know, before I had access to sheep once a month or twice a month, just paying for an hour lesson. Now I can go out and train. I'm training at least four days a week. Um, which, you know, I, th I think it's good and enough. Um, if I was going to have to prepare a dog for trial, maybe you would train every day, but it's just gradually increasing their skills. Um, and also thinking about what did go wrong than last session, what do I want to change? I also have, I need to get some lessons and I'm going to go to some workshops. And I also have my... Um, trusted friend and trainer that was on the work um, on the podcast um Kathy Freeman so I had a chat with her yesterday and she gave me some ideas on how to work on things I'm struggling with so um now I need to think okay how now I need to plan my training and and this is I think one thing that I really miss is that kind of planning 
coming away from a training session and, and looking at what went wrong and then planning for the next one because I wasn't doing agility, I wasn't doing obedience. When I did scent work, I did that, but that was over a year ago. Um, I've stopped that since probably last spring. So I was missing this kind of planning your training um, session after session. And sometimes you need a day to think about exactly what you're going to do next session and if you're a master what you're doing probably comes easier but i'm not i'm still a learner i'm still a beginner in a lot of things although i've been doing it for years i feel like i'm a beginner because i never really pushed my training you know past a certain level because i didn't have enough consistency with my dogs to be able to do that um so yeah i enjoy that and i'll definitely going to be doing some maybe more yeah planning you know it's just it's just good to to be back into a training head space and and planning my training and i should start writing down really my things so i can remember them um every day what has gone wrong and then what i'm going to try and if that doesn't work then then i'll ask for help or i will try in a different way it does no point keep training on something that it's not working you have to change it because otherwise it's just a fight with the dog at the end of the day. You want them to do something. They're doing something different. You keep asking them to do something. If it's not working, it's not working. You have to change it. Um, so in February, I'm going to start seeing students face-to-face. Um, -face, and I'm really excited about that. For the first time in my life, I just step out. Well, it's not the first time in my life, actually. I've had that before when I was working in Devon stepping out of the house and, and meeting students and do the lesson and then go back into the house. And I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to try not to have more than two consecutive lessons so that I can have breaks and do things with the dogs and do other things. But if you are in Lancashire, Cheshire, Manchester, um, Cumbria, Yorkshire, I'm starting face-to-face -face lessons and I'm also starting workshops at the end of February. I'm going to run mainly two big workshops and then I'm going to design probably more in time. One is called Ignoring Livestock with a Positive Approach. And one is called um, Collie um, Training Essentials. So one is open to any breed. So if you have friends or family with different breeds that are not what collies, they're all welcome, which is teaching dogs to ignore sheep. And one is more for border collies so if you have a border collie and you want to just learn a bit more about their traits and how to control those traits and how to make those traits at your favor it's a day of talking about collies their history their traits looking at my dogs working and training as well um the day that i'll have a dog that you can train you can try i will, I will also allow someone to try to handle my dogs on sheep. I don't have that dog yet. <laughs> Maybe Tay one day. Um, but yeah, it's a day to deep dive into border collies and you know, talking about their main issue could be a recall with movement or reactivity to movement and see what we can do to improve that and also making sure that they have the right outlets. Um and it's a nice day out. You can, you know, then go for a walk if you want to, because we have public footpaths in that start from from our yard so um i'm going to put the links for my work for for where you can look at my workshop on my website um 
And of course, I'm working online. I'm working one-to-one -one training and my colleague club is always there, always open. In the colleague club, we are working on reactivity this next two months. So we're starting again from the very beginning of reactivity where my new webinar, the one that came out in November, is going to be available to all the members for free um, in the new module. Well, it's not a new module. I'm going to revisit the reactivity module that was the first one I've done in 2021. And I'm going to restructure it and the first, uh, the first part of it is the um, the webinar that I've run. So that is going to be the basic from where we start. And the so if, if you have a reactive collie or a reactive, well, reactive collie or a reactive herding breed, of course, any dog reactivity is, it, it, it is similar. But of course, with the collies, we are working more on movement reactivity than other breeds. Then the collie club for the next few months is going to be working on that. Um, it's very affordable from £60 a month if you sign up for three months in advance. Sorry, £60 a month. Three months in advance is £50 a month and um, um, six months in advance is, is 40 and then it goes down to 30 if you find if you sign up for a year. Um, I'll leave that link of the Collie Club again in the show notes. And then, of course, I'm running one-to-one -one online training, which is going to be limited Um because I want to be able to have more face-to-face -face than I used to um, spread out in a few days. Um, so yeah, if you need if, if you need help, one-to-one -one training help, uh, be in touch, send me an email, send me a message um, from my website and we can book you in for a discovery call. So we can have a chat, free chat on Zoom first um, and then decide if we can work together. Um, so yeah, work is happening is starting and i can't wait um for this year and to work i actually missed working and missed my students and missed my you know my crazy colleagues students and um yeah the um there will be more news about the farm of course with time um when there is something more to say i will make a new po a new a new a new episode but um there will be guest speakers on the podcast i have a list of people that i need to contact and set dates with um i have of course always ideas but you're welcome to send me an email on the border geek at gmail.com and tell me what if, if there is anything like there is a um something you would like me to talk about, something you would like, a question that can be transformed into a podcast episode, I'm happy for you to send your suggestions. And I always ask suggestions in my um, group on Facebook and on my Instagram account. So reach out anywhere you want and, you know, ask me a question or give me a suggestion on a specific topic and uh, see if I can make it a podcast episode. Um, and yeah, I think that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the first um, podcast back. Of course, if you have any question about and you want me to elaborate a bit more on moving, although we didn't do anything special really with the dogs, we pretty much moved on the day and they were used to the new house um, and we gave them a space to to be during the day and, and everything, then you know I'm happy to, to give you some ideas if you need to move. Um, 
but it was pretty much very easy. You know, a lot of, uh, I get that a lot of the time. How do you prepare your dog for moving? Well, when you go on holiday, you don't prepare them for it, don't it? It's just, you go on holiday and then you are, for a week, you are in a new home, in a new environment and they get used to it and then they go back to a normal life. So I see moving very, very similar to that. They just move to a new place like you would go on holiday with a different that I think it's a bit easier because you have your own furniture, you have their own beds, they, you have your own stuff there. So they actually see the same things that they used to see in the other house, just in a new house. And I find that that's actually for nervous dogs, for dogs that might suffer from anxiety, that's slightly easier than moving, than going on holiday where you don't know the place. You don't, it, there's a lot of different smells. There's a lot of different things. Well, when you bring your things with you, you have your own scent, your own habits, your own places, your own things that come with you. So I think it's a bit easier for dogs. Um, so it was easy for our dogs, although, yeah, I can see that they were a bit tired, but it was very, very easy, easier than I would imagine for any of them, even the more anxious ones. Um, so have a great week and I will try to keep up the podcast twice a month. If I can do more than that, of course, I'm happy to do more than that. Um, but yeah, so I'm not going to promise more than that. But if it happens, it happens. I'm not going to be too strict. I, I I'm going to try because there's so much going on in our life. I'm going to try to stick to two twice a, twice a month. If it doesn't happen, I apologize. It's just a very busy month. I will try to record in advance as much as I can so that it, th there's always something coming out. But it might be that that doesn't happen. And um, yeah, so um, hope you enjoy it. And I will talk to you the next time. I don't even know how to end the podcast episode anymore. Um, I need to get used to it again. <laughs> Have a great day and talk to you very soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Border Collie Geek podcast. If you want to know more about my work and how I can help you with your Border Collie, visit www.datildoacademy.com or follow me on Facebook and Instagram.